Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Another win for the Wild last night, Jim. And, you know, the wings hung with them for two periods, a little plus. And then the Wild just kind of stepped on the gas and, and uh, stepped on them uh, down the stretch. That's the kind of win that I watch the Wild and I go, okay, maybe there really is something to this new coach thing and, and maybe they can get into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, they're only two points out of the wild card at this point mm-hmm. with a long way to go. So if they play well, I'd still think the playoffs are that big a problem. Uh, the, the, pro- the challenge is playing well for a long period of time. They've been great ever since Hines took over. And, and one of the things that has enabled them to not only survive this stretch but win has been the fact that, you know, like before Hines came on, we were like, oh, they're going to Spurs and he's probably the second-best player. Of course, you're not going to win a lot of games without him. Now they're winning games without Spurgeon and Brodeen and Zuccarello, three of their like six best players. Yeah. And one of you know, and there are a couple of things that certainly they got a jolt from Hines coming in. Uh, they also have gotten Kaprizov and Boldy going, their two best scorers. And on top of that, Brock Faber, you know, first full NHL season, very young, has held down the back end mm-hmm. with Spurgeon out, with Brodeen out, has upped his minutes has played brilliantly. Uh, he's a really, really good player, and his contributions have been absolutely vital. Well, that's terrific to see that, too. You don't know uh, how quickly they might assimilate from the college game to the NHL game, and Faber seems to make the step pretty well. Yeah, and they, they were eager to call him up for the play, you know, for late season in the playoffs last year, which is right out of college, which mm-hmm. just speaks volumes. He's just, you know, he obviously has skill. Uh, very good skater, very composed, very smart, uh, but also very mature. I mean, it's just a hard, it's, it's a, you know, all these sports we talk about all the time. It's, it's hard to get up to that level and to excel at this age uh, with this lack of experience uh, is, is remarkable. Yeah. Kirill Kaprizov just named the NHL's uh, number one star leading into their, uh, their Christmas break that the NHL takes for a few days uh, there. And so his game obviously has picked up as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think with him, I mean, I'm in New York, by the way, and you're hearing parades going by. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and the thing about Kaprizov or the baseball players we talk about, you know, I, th- I think football players are just kind of who they are. Mm. Basketball players tend to, the good ones tend to not get in extended slumps. I do think that uh, hockey and baseball lend themselves to slumps mm. because if you don't get results, and, you know, you start squeezing the bat, ripping the stick a little tighter, and now all of a sudden you're not a natural fluid player. Now it gets harder to score, and then you get more fright. There's a, there's a frustration process that can really lead to slumps in those two sports. I think Kaprizov went through that. Of course, he's too good to stay in that forever. I think as soon as you saw the puck go in the net a couple of times, he settled down and started playing the way he's capable of playing. Turning to the NBA and the Timberwolves, uh, beaten uh, probably their toughest loss. We talked about it some against Oklahoma City, where they, they didn't look like the better team on the floor uh, during that. And then I understand a pretty good film session in which Coach Finch got into them a little bit. He, he clearly has their respect uh, because they don't mind being coached hard by him, it doesn't seem. No, and I think that was one of the reasons I you know, thought he got too much blame last year. Listen, he didn't, it wasn't a great year for him last year. He thought that he could assimilate Gobert effortlessly, and that was wrong. He was mm-hmm. He was wrong about that. Uh, but in terms of his relationships with the players, his ability to push them, maintain their respect, and even have them still like him, uh, it, it's really, you know, it's probably important in every sport to a certain degree. It's really important in basketball. Players have so much power. Uh, it's kind of a, such a small, 
collection of meaningful players in the NBA, really the power brokers, and they can get a coach fired. They can, you know, they're they're just they make more money. They are more important than most coaches. So Finch being able to have strike that balance of being a, to coach him hard and have them still like him is is a great sign. And, and part of it is this is a good group. You know, you yeah. look. I mean, Towns is a good guy. I had some questions about Gobert last year, but he's been really good this year in terms of, you know, I thought he's a, I don't know. He said a few things last year that made, made him sound like a diva, but he obviously uh, cares about his teammates, and he's been a good teammate this year. Towns has always been a good teammate. Edwards is a good teammate. Uh, Anderson's a really smart guy. Conley is ideal. Uh, so, it's a, you know, part of it is that Finch has a very likable personality, even when he's pushing you. Part of it is they have a very receptive group of players, too. No doubt. And uh, Dallas tonight, Luka Doncic just had a game where he had 50 and 15 assists and 10 rebounds. And, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, pop your eyes out with athleticism. All he does is know exactly where everyone is at all times and how to get to where he needs to on the floor. And he does that better than anybody else. Yes. Uh, it's just so skilled, uh, strong. You know, I, I mean, one of the underrated aspects of him is he's you know he's not like a, a twelve pack abs kind of guy. He looks mm-hmm. like he enjoys his beer, uh, but he's strong mm-hmm. and he can get where he wants to get on the floor. People do not push him off his spot. Uh, and when you're strong and you kind of command your space, it also makes it easier to draw fouls. Uh, incredible balance, uh, incredible shot variety, and and can shoot with ease from anywhere. Excellent passer. Um, he, he's just he's just a wonderful player. And he torches the Timberwolves generally, but they still yep. have good success because they tend to play well against all of his teammates. Right, and you know, that, and I think Jokic and Doncic are probably the, the two greatest examples of when you play them. You have to say, okay, are, they're going to they're going to either score or do other things. You know, they're, they're either going to score or they're going to get a lot of assists. You don't want them to do both. Hmm. So if you can find a you know, if you give him forty points to Doncic, but he doesn't really facilitate the offense to get a bunch of other players going, that might be a winning formula. If you are able to guard him, double-team him, and he doesn't score, and gets, you can't beat, have him beat you in both categories. And the Wolves have basically decided over the years, okay, let him take difficult shots and end up with a high point total, but don't, let it, don't make it easy for him, and don't let him you know, distribute as well as score. I would love to be a big Luka Doncic fan. His game is terrific. But Alan Horton said it to me, too. He's probably the biggest whiner in the NBA. Uh, you don't see a lot of calls. I wish the league would could somehow uh, move on from guys, A, trying to draw every foul call possible, uh, and, and yelling for fouls when they're in the middle of a shot. I saw Ant do that the other night. And then, and then be accepting when they have a fall. I know this horse is out of the barn, but it would make the product imminently more watchable if their big stars, at least like Doncic, didn't complain about every call. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. And I don't know how we get there from here. Yeah. And it, listen, I think Adam Silver is a good commissioner. I think it's a well-run league. Um, officiating seems to be an increasing problem across every major sports that, uh, because. There's so much money in line. People are betting so much, and officials are the like players keep getting better, and the officials keep being just not very good at their jobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. And I think the NBA is the hardest game to officiate. Yep. Uh, you're dealing with huge personalities. It's also a star, it is a league that absolutely is committed to its stars. They mm-hmm. want their stars to get big numbers. They want them to you know to get to the foul line. They want them to get the benefit of the doubt. 
And when you start from that spot, it's hard to have a fairly officiated game. And it's a, it's a shame. It's, it's a great product except for the officiating and yep. the complaining about the officiating. Yep. Uh, Jim, you're in New York, so I'm not sure if you saw this. This was just posted by Ben Gessling uh, on your uh, website, uh, your newspaper's website. Jaron Hall has been named the starting quarterback for the Vikings on Sunday against the Packers. Well, you know, Kevin doesn't always listen to me at first, but he always comes <laughs> around to my way of thinking. Sure. Um, I, I think this, you know, and listen, as I've said many times before, sometimes the, the conceit of sports talk and sports writing is, oh, we've got the answer. Sometimes there is no right answer. Right. We might find out uh, by late Sunday night that none of these guys can play. You know, I mean, yeah. Jared Hall might go out there and, and turn the ball over five times. It could happen. I just like his skill set. I think he gives you a little bit of Dobbs' mobility. He gives you a little bit of uh, Mullins' pocket presence. Uh, I think he can throw with touch. Not the greatest arm in the world, but I think he can throw with touch. I think he can run the offense. Um, I think he can get out of trouble. I, I just think it's time to find out what he can do. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, college football playoffs on New Year's Day, the semifinals. I think the national championship game is being contested on Monday when it's Alabama and Michigan. I think whoever wins that beats the whoever comes out of the other side. What do you think? I I would agree with that. And, you know, I really I, – I, one of the things I don't like about college football is we're talking about Alabama like every – Every year at this yeah. time. I mean, the, the yep. power programs are such a huge advantage. Legacy matters so much in that sport. Yep. Uh, but I will, but, you know, listen, I, I will watch. I think Michigan-Alabama yeah. is a fascinating matchup. I think Harbaugh is a fascinating guy. Them going through the, uh, the cheating scandals as they're having a big year is fascinating. I just think, uh, I mean, it's going to be great entertainment. No doubt. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.